0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. I, I want to continue our series entitled "Imagine More." Uh, these are the two words that God gave us uh, as we move into this this next season, and um, so we've been kind of doing a vision series um, over the last several weeks, and. Um, I want to pray for us, and, and I want to <clears throat> jump in. And I've just entitled the message, Can You See? Can you see? Father, in Jesus' name, as we open up your word, God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm more convinced now than ever that we desperately need you. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. Um, Lord, we, we need your word. We need your counsel. Um, and, Lord, I just pray that in light of everything that's taking place, um, in our lives across the globe, God, that we would be prayerful, discerning, and God, that, um, that you would work in us and work through us in, in such a way, God, that both our lives and the world would never be the same. Lord, I thank you for our church and to speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, uh, Hawaii was incredible. We went to Hawaii, and uh, there was a couple things that were just different, And one of the things that I had such a hard time understanding, and I couldn't see at first, was the speed limit. You know, coming from the Bay Area and going to Kauai, where there's really only one, there's only a two-lane road, right? One way across the island, and if you're coming back, there's only one lane coming back. And, uh, And so the average speed limit is probably around 28. I said maybe 35, but the island's not very big. I mean, we're talking like 45 miles to get everywhere you need to go. But that 45 miles takes about anywhere from an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. And I just, I couldn't see it. And I didn't believe it. So we had booked a little snorkeling excursion. And it was on the other side of the island. And so we were way up here at Hanalei. And then we had to come all the way down to Port Allen. But that's only 40 miles. And so the lady was like, hey, listen, you're going to want to leave at 6.15 so you can be here by 7.45. And so I was like, man, she is tripping. Uh, We're going to leave at 6.45 and we're going to be just fine. So we leave at 6.45. We get on the road. I get behind this car with the big old boat. Speed limit is 25. He's going like 15. So I was like, oh, no, right? We're going to be in trouble. So I call the lady called the lady, and I said, "Hey, um, so you know we're on our way." And she said, and she rebuked me. She said, "You left late, didn't you?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" Uh, well, 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 she she said, "Where are you at?" And I told her where. She said, "You left at 6:45." I was like, "Aloha!" <laughs> and so we get there. We get there, and uh, and I hear the same lady. There's another. We we actually made it like pretty close on time, and there was a. Uh, another couple that they were still waiting for. And so the tour guide was like, well, what do we do? And she was like, aloha them. And, uh, and so I looked at her and I was like, I talked to you. We almost got aloha. And she's like, yes, you did, but you're here. Uh, but it was, just, it was just hard to see. It was hard to understand. And then when we got on the boat, the guy told me, he said, yeah, you go 20 miles over the speed limit. It's a felony here. I was like, what? So after that day, everyone's like, go ahead. You go in front of me. We're taking our time. I don't want to come back a felon uh, from Hawaii. But, but I, think, I think eternity is also hard to see sometimes. Like, like you think about the reality of forever. It's, it's just not something we contemplate often or the implications of eternity. Like the reality of heaven and hell. Many times it's just not something that dominates our thoughts. And as a result of that, what, what can be a little bit disheartening Is When we don't live in light of eternity and the reality of heaven and hell, then the Great Commission kind of becomes something we know, but we don't really see it. It's kind of like we're we're told that it's super important to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, but then because of our, our skewed perspective at times, we just don't see the importance and the urgency. We just can't see where it's almost like, no, no, 645. We leave at 640. We we reach I mean, we'll, we'll, somebody else is going to get them. And none of us would ever say that because we're godly people. So none of us would say, oh, we're just going to leave them for somebody else. But, but sometimes we live in such a way that reflects that, that reality. Now, now Jesus made it very clear. I mean, let's just look at the gospels real quick. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you. What a, what a promise. Jesus said, When you're on mission with me, you know I'm with you. To the very end of the age. Now let's give down to Mark's gospel. It says, He said to them, Go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Luke said, With my authority, Jesus said, Take the message of repentance to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins, and somebody say amen, for all who turn to me. Right along, John says it this way, as the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. So just as the Father has given me an assignment, I've also have given you an assignment. Now let's drop down to the book of Acts. It says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's super clear. Like this is important to the heart of God. Right? Uh, In in, uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, when Jesus is meeting with the wee little man Zacchaeus, he, he makes a statement. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, don't check out. Just roll with me today because I believe God wants to do something in all of us. But, but it's only in light of the Great Commission that our church makes sense. Like, like why do we want to grow? Because we want to be the fastest growing church? No way. That, I've watched so many, so much dysfunction over the last couple of years. So many heartbreaks. That's not our motivation here. Our motivation is the Great Commission. I know every church says that. But you can ask anybody on our team, it's real here. And I'm not saying it's not real anywhere else, but I'm just saying for us, I can only speak for us that, no, that's that's really our heart. I don't care about being popular. I don't care about any of that stuff. But it only makes sense in the light of the Great Commission. You know, our serve days and our serve team only make sense in the light of the Great Commission. Our small groups only make sense in light of the Great Commission. Are, Are you guys tracking with me? And the reason why all these make sense in light of that is because we have an assignment that God has given us. God has gathered us to go. And sometimes we're like, oh, man, he's going to preach one of those messages today? Like, I wanted something for me. Do you know what I'm going through? Trust me, I really believe that God has, has something for you. Because I, I know, I know, man, we love the messages that are for us. Right? We, we hear it all the time. It's like, man, I, I just, I need, to, I need you to feed me today. I just, it's, it's, can you give me a little bit more? Make sure your sermon's on point today because I brought a friend um, I need something good. Can you give me something a little, something I've never heard before? I want just put a spin on it, put a spin on the script. Just cause I, you know, I need my intellect to be stimulated. Can you go a little bit deeper? And I love that. I'm all about deep. But how many? Can you guys know what's so deep is when you actually apply what you've already learned. It'll take you super deep, um, big time, big time. That's not a slap. It's just, I'm just saying. It's, it's, it's true. But but God cares. God cares about where you're at today. God cares about what you care about. God cares about the things you're struggling with. God cares. And, and by, no mean, by no means am I trying to make light of that. I'm just saying that there's is, there is more. And I believe that God is inviting us to imagine that there's more. I think over the last couple of years, it's actually, it's, it's made it a little bit more difficult. I mean, it was already kind of difficult before, but we've been conditioned a little bit more and things are a little blurry. When it comes to how we see people. Good. For the last couple of years, it, it's been, you know, this, we need to stay away. We need to keep our distance. We can't see people's faces. I'm not making any political statements right now. I'm just saying this is the reality. Yes. And whether, it, you know, it's necessary or not necessary, wherever you stand, it doesn't matter. The reality is yes. yeah. we have all been, infect, uh, all been impacted, many, most of us unintentionally, to a point where we see people in a different way. Wow. Like, like where, where I used to maybe open the door for somebody, I don't do that anymore. Where I might have picked something up for somebody. Now, it's, I, I did this the other day. I, somebody dropped in and I, and I had to ask permission because I just didn't want to violate it. I was hey, can I pick that up for you? They're like, sure. Um, so it's just, it's just gotten a little bit weird and a little bit distorted. And, and, and let me just tell you, I just really believe that God is, is wanting us to see again. And, and proximity changes things. Like, when there's distance, it affects our heart. But but the closer we are to people, it just changes things. Like, you know the time where you were so mad at somebody, you're like, man, I can't wait till I see them. And then you see them, you're like, gosh, I love them. You know? (laughs) Or the other part happens, or you're not as mad, but then you see them, you're like, I really hate you. (laughs) Because proximity, it changes stuff. Like, we hear about people with cancer, but then somebody in our family gets it. And then all of a sudden, we start to see things in a whole different life. Everything is a little bit closer. Our last serve day, we went to the Tenderloin. We go serve with City Impact every single year. And um, when you're up close to brokenness and poverty and just watching the enemy wreak havoc on people's lives, one guy in our church was so impacted, he he got the, the name and the number of a family, brought them over for Christmas, like bought all the kids. So, I mean, it was just because, all this stuff happened because he got close. He was able to see something. So, like, the, the other night, I was, I was preparing for this message. God has a sense of humor, and this guy, we have a trail behind our, um, our house, and, and I just hear him, Bigsby! Bigsby! Listen, if you're watching, your dog's name is Bigsby. I am so sorry. I'm going to tell the story. But... I, um, <laughs> And so, so, you know, he's, he's calling for his dog, and obviously his dog is lost. I, I take that, you know, I kind of get that notion after about four or five laps, right? So I, all of a sudden, I'd hear Bigsby for like five minutes, and it would go away. And then he'd, he'd come back, Bigsby! So finally, I went out to try to help him. I'm like, man, I, you must have lost your dog. Let me try to help you. And when I went out there, of course, he wasn't there. Um, but in the moment, I thought, I don't care about Bigsby. Because I'm not close to him. And the Lord's like, exactly. Exactly. Uh, here, here's the reality. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, that we will not reach for people that we cannot see. Wow. So good. And the enemy would love to keep us in a place of, of blurred vision to keep us from seeing people up close. In fact, in the last days, it says that because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And this just kind of means an utter disregard for the, God's written law and word. And it means to breathe and to cool something down for, for your spiritual momentum to be chilled by a, by a malign or poisonous wind. That's the, in the original language what it means. And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't clarify, is, are you talking about love? of many people will grow cold for God or for people? And I think it's it works either way. If your love is growing cold for people, it's because it's grown cold for God. Because if your love grow, if your love is grown cold for God, then it's obviously going to translate to people. And so I, I want us, to, I want us to catch the, this heart today, um, because that's not to be said of us. Like like our love is not supposed to diminish our spiritual fervor is not supposed to decline. But I'm telling you, it's not just the last couple of years. I, I see this happen anytime that there's like a major deal. So we have like September 11th. Churches were flooded for about two weeks. And then it slowly dissipates. I remember a story of a woman from Iran. She came here to escape persecution from Christianity. And, and you know, in, in Iran, in certain places, you can be, you know with the women as a believer and if you're evangelizing especially you know they can rape you they can murder you I mean it's it's pretty brutal and scary so her husband brings her to the U.S. she's here for about a year and she says you got to take me back he's like what are you talking about he's like you got to take me back she said I don't know what it is about this place if there is a spiritual lullaby that's starting to affect me and so I'd much rather be in persecution than live in this kind of stagnant lukewarm place. And so, so that that's not to be said of us. And so today we're going to drop right into the heart of our text in John chapter four. Let me just give you a little bit of context. If you've been in church for any amount of time, just bear with me. I know you know the story, but God has something for you today. And if you're brand new to church, man, just lean in. And so, so Jesus is leaving Judah. He's on his way to Galilee. The shortest route is to go through Samaria, but it's not the most likely route for strict Jews. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They, in fact, they would think passing through Samaria, they would have the potential to be defiled by the Samaritans. So they would take the longer route to avoid that. And so Jesus, um, it's very clear that uh, the scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. So we know that the father is at work, that there's a sovereign plan for him to meet this woman at a well in Sychar. So we, he's weary from the journey. He stops at this well, super intentional. And she's there. It's 12 noon, which uh, most of the women who would come to draw water would be early in the morning to avoid the heat. She's obviously there at 12 noon because she does not want to be around people. And we see from her past in just a moment why that is. And so Jesus, um, they they strike up a conversation. It's 12 o'clock noon, the heat of the day. And Jesus is like, hey, can you give me a drink? And she's like, what? She says, "You know, Jews and Samaritans, we don't share stuff. Right. Almost like, what, are you serious? Like, you're a man and I'm a woman at that, and you want to drink." See, not only was there um, there was a lot of divisions here. There was racial divides, there were cultural divides, religious divides. And so, so she's trying to piece all this stuff together. I mean, put it, put it like this. The Samaritans had their own version of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They had their own place of worship, their own temple on Mount Gerizim, and they had their own rendering of Israelite history. Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile. And so that's why there was, there was, there was this huge conflict. It, it, was, it was so big um, that Josephus, oops, you guys touch my thing back there. Hit my slide. There, bam. Um, Josephus, fighting between Jews and Samaritans. Uh, Josephus, he, he's a, a Jewish historian. He writes in his, uh, on the, his um, work on the Jewish war. He said, fighting between Jews and Samaritans during Claudius' reign in the first century AD was so intense that Roman soldiers were called in to pacify and to crucify many of the rebels. And so, so Jesus is having this conversation. He's breaking every cultural and traditional barrier which is showing his desire to reach people. And so, so what does he do? He first starts, he makes a connection with the gospel. So he, he asks the woman for a drink, and she's like, we don't share things. He's like, girl, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, I would give you living water that would bubble up into eternal life. He said, those who drink from this well, they're gonna be thirsty again. But the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. And so she's like, well, how are you going to do that if you have nothing to draw with? So she's th- still thinking physically. Yeah. And, and he's working on connecting with her heart. And so, so he's like, no, 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 like, like you, you're, you're, you're not catching it. And so finally, after the conversation, after it kind of goes down, Jesus says, um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you something to drink. But he said, go get your husband. She's like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, true. He's like, you've had five. And the man you're living with right now is not your husband. She's like, I proceedeth thou to be a prophet. <laughs> and then she changes the subject and starts talking about religion, right? And he says, listen, I, I'm the Messiah. She said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to explain all this. He said, I, I am the Messiah. Now, now get this picture. At this time, the disciples returned and they were surprised that he was speaking with the woman. But nobody asked him, what do you want from her? Why are you talking to her? So there was religious divides, relation, uh, racial divides, cultural divides. The fact that she was a woman, women were looked down upon in this culture. And so the disciples were like, huh. So, some scholars would say that it was out of respect. They just knew that he had it under control and there must be a good reason for it. I don't know if, that te- I don't know if this text really shows that. Because the disciples seem very Passive. I just wonder if it's just like, man, I don't know what you're doing. I ain't going to go over there. I was just, let's just, let's just do what we were doing before. And so it says, then the woman left her water jar. So now she's, she's pumped. She's like, whoa, this dude just read my mail. Went back to the town, said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So they left the town and made their way toward Jesus. So get this picture. The whole town now is coming toward Jesus. And look what the disciples said. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he told them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples asked one another, could someone have brought him food? That's what I, I don't think they're on the respect and I don't think they really understand like what's going on. They're just like, bro, did you already eat? I mean, we went to go get the food. Like, how are you not hungry? They, let me just say this. If they missed it, so can we. Yes, that's right. oh, wow. and, they're, and they're close. They're super close. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm hungry too, but there's something that transcends my need, my feeding in this moment. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. This is interesting to me is that the woman was hungry for God while the disciples were hungry for food. Where do you think the disciples got the food from? From the town of Sychar. So so get this picture. She left her empty jar to go tell the town about Jesus. They brought their jars to be filled and told nobody. Just let that sink in for a moment. They came back with food. She came back with the town. And this girl's brand new. So Jesus explained. He said, listen, guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, can I just say a lot of times when we think about the will of God in, in a context like this, we think sacrifice. Sacrifice. But I don't think Jesus was speaking of sacrifice, like I'm forfeiting my meal today. No, I think he's talking about satisfy. And that's why I said that this message is for you, because sometimes the greatest satisfaction comes when things are moving outside of you. Like like the will of God, listen, it can be sacrificial at times. But can I just tell you, to walk in the will of God and reaching people on the Great Commission, I don't think Jesus was like, man, got to forfeit my meal today because I got to reach a town. No, he's like, can you, can you? Can you see it? Oh, there's, there's something so much bigger. I don't think he's talking about sacrifice here. I think he's talking about there's something way more satisfying called the will of God that's happened. He says, do you not say there is still four months until the harvest? And so Jesus just knew at this point, you guys, are just, you guys, you're just not seeing it. Like You're thinking about tacos. I'm thinking about the town. And, and so, so, so look what he says. He says, you have the saying, it's still four months until harvest, but here's the catch. He says, I tell you, open your eyes. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I think this town, they may have been, uh, the first um, kind of offspin of off-white. Anybody know what off-white clothing is? If you don't, you can look it up on Google. Um, but I get this picture. as Jesus is saying these words. All these people in these off-white robes. You know, maybe some dirty, maybe some more brilliant than others are are walking toward it's it's a picture of what the grain, when it's fully ripened, the heads of grain, they're white, and they're walking toward, he's like, dude, the harvest is ripe, but the problem is your eyes. You're just not seeing it. Like, look at this whole town is coming. Open your eyes. So I went to the uh, eye doctor yesterday, and, uh, you know, I'm 42 years old, and she, you know, she was super nice. She's like, you don't look 42, but your eyes see like they're 42. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I appreciate that, right? And so she said, so I have astigmatism in my left eye, and it's getting real bad. She's like, yeah, because I'm seeing double now, and so if I look at you a little bit weird, just know they're working on me, okay? So, so she said, your eyes are getting real bad. We're going to have to put, like, a prism in your glasses so that... We can, like, correct, like, a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, whoa, a prism? Like, you got to put a prism in my lens? Like, okay. Or like, a diamond-like prism? Like, a thing like that? There's multiple facets of colors, and is that going to work? She's like, you'll never even know the difference. But, but what she said is, you get older to see, it's, 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 it's harder to see certain lines. They, they, get, they get more blurry. And so she's like, yeah, your prescriptions are going to change faster. Like, you already, you, we changed your lens last year. We're going to need to change it again. And I had this thought, ladies and gentlemen, that, isn't it funny how it seems like the new ones are so eager to bring people to Jesus? Like when you just get like, when you just get saved, there's this fret, like you're just desperate. You're wrecked. God is doing something. This woman goes back. And, and, and if not, if not careful, listen, I think as we grow, God wants to take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. So we should not be diminishing. We should be, I mean, if, if our flame was hot, then it should burn even brighter, but I think the tendency of what we see sometimes, and I think even in this moment right here, we see the new one went to tell the town they wanted to bring. The old ones were just focused on consuming. Wow. So it's just like, just, I'm hungry. The new, ones were, the new one was hungry for God. The old ones were just hungry for food. But the disciples, they, they weren't like that. Like They left everything to follow Jesus. But some time has passed. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God wants to fan into flame that heart for people again. We cannot lose sight of that as a church. I heard this, this question. I think it's a great question. If God answered all of my prayers, would it change the world or would it just change me? It's a great question to ask. Like If he answered everything, would it impact and change the world or would it just impact me? Because the reality is this is God cares about you and all the needs that you have, but he's just saying, listen, I want you to open your eyes because there's more. I want you to imagine more with me. You know, right now, it's, it's hard to see. There's 7.6 billion people on the planet right now. 2.4 billion profess to be Bible-believing Christians. We know that that number is skewed because that could just be, hey, my parents were Christian or Catholic but let's just say for the sake of numbers, that's 5.4 billion people that are headed for a Christless eternity. When we hear that, we're like, whoa. But we don't see them. They're numbers. But, but, but get this picture in your mind. December of 2004, a tsunami hit Indonesia and some of the surrounding regions And it killed 250,000 people at one time. We have about 350,000 people in the Tri-Valley. So almost, you know, a big chunk of the Tri-Valley would just be wiped out. If you were to line those people up foot by foot from this glass door, it would take you from this door all the way to the Golden Gate Bridge of people in a moment. Many of which headed to a Christless eternity. But even though we're like, whoa, it's still so hard to see because we, we can't see them. They're numbers. But I'm just saying that when we start to see people again, something changes. Everything starts to make sense. If we can't see people, I'm just telling you, churches, it's going to get old after a while. Because you're going to come and you're going to consume. And it's going to be good and, like, I mean, you're going to get some stuff. God is going to do some things. But, but, but if we can start to see people again, just to know it, it can be about us a little bit. It just can't be all about us. Like, this is the heart of God. Yeah. This is our assignment. This is the great commission. And, listen, this isn't like a pep talk to try to, like, get you to do, do something. No, I can't motivate you. I just want to point you to the gospel and let the spirit of God spur you and convict us and, and massage our hearts just to see differently again. And if, and if you feel like, man, I am blazing right now, then, I, man, I pray that God would fuel that fire. But if you're not, and your prayers may change your life but not the world, I'm just inviting you to imagine more with us yes. this year. Like, like get, get this picture in your mind. We, uh, if we can't see faces, we're not going to reach them. But if we, if we can start to see people, we're going to reach for them if we can see this reality. That them used to be us. If it wasn't for Christ, That's it. them used to be us. So, like, look around, look around, just look around at people, your neighbor. Look around. Don't be awkward. Just look around. It's all good. We're a family. Look at, look at. We can't even look at each other. We're like, <sighs> but but listen, we were all there, and we have issues, we have problems. But by the grace of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are going to heaven, yes. and that is a good thing. So let me just tell you, God wants us to open our eyes in a few areas. Number one, when our eyes are open. We're going to realize that we don't get to choose who we reach. Wouldn't that be awesome if we got to pick? Like, I do not want to spend eternity with them, Lord. I ain't reaching them. And it sounds far-fetched, but that's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah was like, I don't want to go preach to the people of Nineveh because they're going to hear about your grace. They're going to surrender their lives to you. And then i got to spend eternity with the people I hate. I don't want that. And some of us like, we, we would love to do that. But, but just, just look at this for, for a moment. Now, he had to pass through Samaria. He had to. Compelled by the sovereign will of the Father, there was a divine appointment in Samaria. Can I just tell you, everything is so polarized and divided. Right now, it's just been, I mean, the last few years have just been nuts. But we don't get the luxury of choosing who we reach. If you don't like them, man. Pray that God would transform them, and they're praying that for you, so we'll just see what, who wins, right? We'll see see what happens. But if you can just allow God to massage your heart, to see beyond all of the layers and know that there is a soul that is in desperate need of Jesus, I'm just telling you, it changes something. For some of us, man, it's, 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 not, even, it's not even those things. For some of us, we're just, we've just gotten lazy, and there's kind of this lax approach to our life now and and we're doing good in all these other areas but when it comes to going and making disciples you know when Jesus told them to go and make disciples none of them were pastors yet they were just followers of Jesus none of them were were technically like had the title of missionary no they're just following Jesus like this this assignment is for all of us nobody gets a pass and that's what happens when there's a surrendered heart he said, I want you to go to all nations. I want you to go to the religious and the non-religious. And Jesus is breaking through all these barriers, showing the heart of God. Look, look at this. A, man heart, a man's heart plants his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Are you open to that? Are you open to the Lord taking you through Samaria? And I'm just telling you, listen, Jesus just saw people differently. You remember the par- parable of the Good Samaritan? Jesus used Samaritan, Samaritans quite a bit. But but this picture, remember, um, uh, there was a person who was left dead, beaten, robbed on the side of the road. The thieves saw this person as a victim. The, the priests and the Levites saw him as a problem. But the Samaritan saw him as a person that needed to be reached. And even though they're arch enemies, it's like, no, man, I'm going to stop on the side of the road. Now, when, when, when I say that, a lot of us, we try to put ourselves in the shoes of the Samaritan. Well, I'm going to go real, try real hard to be the Samaritan. That's the wrong place to start. The right place to start is to see that you and I are that person on the side of the road. Yeah. Come on. And that when Jesus didn't have to stop, he stopped. Oh, wow. When all these other religions passing us by, because we don't have anything to offer, Jesus said, there's, there's, there's my son. There's my daughter. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, this is the beautiful thing. You will see people differently when the gospel is out in front. When the gospel is out in front, you will see every person exactly who you are apart from Christ if it wasn't for the cross. And that changes everything. Resourceless, empty, nothing to offer. So you take the person that just has nothing. That's exactly who we are apart from Christ. And God says, yes. I remember, um, many of you guys might remember this story. I, uh... It was right out here after a church on a Sunday, and a lady came up crying, and she's like, my friend, she has cancer for like the fourth time, and so we, we prayed together, and, and uh, I was just tired that day. You ever just have a day where you leave church, and you're just drained? You're not supposed to say yes to that, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was a trick. You failed. You um, failed. But I just remember I was tired. So we we're going out to eat with the family. We we're going to tip and where you kind of eat, you know, Japanese food, where you kind of sit at tables with people. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to eat. And I want to go home. Right? So pastoral like. Right? <laughs> go into the world. Don't want to talk to anybody. And so I remember we sit down and I just sense the Spirit of God saying, You're going to talk to these people. I'm like, no. You're going to talk to these people. So I struggle up a conversation because I already know when, you, when you've disobeyed the Lord a, a lot of times, like the feeling after that is just the worst. It's like, man, I knew I should have said something. I got, just got tired of doing that. So I'm like, fine, Lord, I'm going to say something and just let the dice fall where they may. So I noticed they had some Amador gear on. And, and uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, there's a couple in our church that um, their sons play for Amador. And they're like, you know, who, well, who is it? And I was like, oh, it's his family. She was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I know them. And she's like, well, how are you connected? I said, I'm their pastor. And then her face, like, just, it, like, went pale. She's like, you're their pastor? And I always kind of joke, I was like, I'm not going to take an offering, because sometimes you say you're a pastor, you're like, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and she, she, uh, she, she just kind of stared at me for a minute, and she said, you've been praying for me. I'm the one with cancer. How many of you guys know in that moment, I'm just like, I'm so glad I said something, right? (laughs) But on the other side of that, yes. Little did I know that God wasn't going to, God met her in that moment. We stood up, we prayed, and God, it was like God saying, I see you. I haven't forgot about you. And God didn't heal her of her cancer. But he did something in her heart that lasted for eternity. And when she passed away, I got a phone call and her husband was like, Matt, and she didn't go to our church. She said, Matt, she wants you to do the funeral. And I got to preach the gospel to over 700 people. So I'm just saying, like, let him direct your steps. So so what are you saying with this point? Next step is this, take responsibility for the harvest. That's it, just take responsibility. It's all of our responsibility for the harvest. All right, next thing is this. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. We don't get to choose how we reach people. They're like, well, what do you mean by that? Methods, man, go for it. But there's two things that we don't get options for. Some of us just want to tell people the truth. Are you one of those people? Oh, I'm going to let them know. And we already know from your social media if you're that kind of person, right? We just know. Um, just saying, just saying. And then some of us, we're on, the, we don't, we, we're, not, we're on the other side of the truth. We're just like, oh, we just got to give them grace. Oh, just give them, give them grace. Some of you guys are like, no, you... Truth. Other guys are like, stop being so mean. Just, they're working on it, right? But as we reach people, we don't get the option between truth and grace. And I'm telling you, I'm watching even pastors today just tear each other up. Now listen, if people are preaching false doctrine, yeah, let's attack the doctrine. Let's let people know that's not the Bible. And there's a lot of that today. But, but we got to be careful not to just smash on people. And so, so we, as Christians, we always hear this. We, we, we hear this beautiful truth of we have to preach the truth in love and all that stuff. But a lot of us, we just we tend to bend toward one side or the other. But can I just tell you, we don't get to choose how we reach people. L- look what Jesus embodied. It says, The word became flesh and made dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. you got to have both. You got to have both. Now, are you saying, well, well, just grace feels too passive? Well, yeah, I, sometimes it can be, and it shouldn't be. Well, truth is, is too forward. Well, yeah, but it's needed. It says it again, I mean, reinforces it in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. So, so let me just break it down for you. Truth without grace is mean, grace without truth is meaningless. Yeah. Truth and grace, medicine. People need both. You think of John. You think of uh, uh, John chapter 8, the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. You know, Jesus, you know, they're about to stone this woman. Jesus said, hey, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. They're like, man, threw down their stones. And And then what happens, Jesus looks at her and says, your sins have been forgiven. Grace. Now go and sin no more. Truth. If you get those mixed up, though, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was leading with the gospel. I love how grace always is before truth. There's a grace. There's a connection. They're saying, hey, listen, your sins have been forgiven, but now let me tell, let me tell you the truth. And, and can I just tell you, it's, it's in light of his grace. The Bible says that it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's, it's when we didn't deserve it. Like she's walking away like, you just saved my life and forgave me? You're not going to have to persuade her to be like, stop sinning. She's going to leave like, I don't want that anymore. I just want you. And so many times uh, the other side would be like this. Well, what if it read like this? Go and sin no more and maybe I'll forgive you. Then all of a sudden she's in a works mentality, trying so hard to earn and approve, which is why she's in the place she's at right now. So we we need both grace and grace. Truth. So what does it feel like? Grace and truth feels like this. You walk away, and you don't know if you've been slapped or loved. I was talking to a couple the other day, and they were saying, man, Pastor Matt, I was saying, how are you guys doing? And they're dear friends of ours, and they're a part of our church, They we're like, hey, how are you guys doing? They're like, man, I just feel like God is stretching us and growing us. He said, man, on Sundays, a lot of times, we've been feeling like we get slapped and loved. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> like, like, you want people walking away like, I feel so loved. Did they just slap me? <laughs> Almost kind of confused, like, whoa, I don't know what that was. But it's what I needed. That's right. It's what I needed. And so, so we, we want to start with the gospel motivation. Next step is this. Make a gospel connection before a behavior correction. Good. That's it. Start with the gospel. I'm not saying you, we never get to behavior, but if you try to modify somebody's behavior apart from the gospel, two weeks, maybe three at most. And they'll be motivated by fear, not the gospel. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, last one is this. Last one is this. You feel slapped? You feel loved? I don't know. All right. So the last one is this, is that we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit so we can powerfully reach. I think this one gets left out a lot when we talk about reaching people. I think a lot of what I just said, like that, that kind of like, yeah, but I think this one, like we don't talk about this one so much, but look what it says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I, I love the moment where Jesus hits her with the truth bomb, right? He's connecting with her. He's like, man, I'm going to give you this water that I have for you. It's free. It's a gift. You're never going to thirst again. It's awesome, and it's amazing. Go get your husband. Truth. Grace. Truth bomb. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a husband. Fact is, truth is, you've had five, girl. She's like, Oh. And the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. One I'm so powerful about that is that he knew that. You know how, how amazing it is, is when you are walking in the gifts of the Spirit, so close to the Spirit of God, that you can discern in moments and God uses you to touch people in a way where they walk away like, uh, what was that? How did you know? Like maybe it's a prophetic word, maybe it's a word of knowledge, maybe it's using, uh, remember we talked about gifts, if, if you're interested in gifts of the Spirit, we, we did a series on it several months ago, you can go back and listen to that. But we talked about, men. There's, there's power gifts, there's love gifts, there's uh, administrative gifts, so whatever gifts God has, the Spirit of God has given you, use those to reach people. Because supernaturally, you don't know what's going to happen. In this moment, it's a supernatural word of knowledge where Jesus is like, yeah, and she's like, how do you know, God told me. I am God, you know, but for us, it would be like, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have, did you have five husbands? Could you imagine if you told somebody that and it was true? They're like, you got my attention. Yeah. So, so let the spirit of God use you, but you have to be in tune with the spirit of God yes. to discern those moments. Let me tell you how this works. So I, I was sick with pneumonia, and it was, at like a, like a, it was in January, and I was just in a tough spot. And I was just like, man, am I going to get better? I was sick for s- a long time. And, uh, and a friend of mine called and said, hey, man, I had a dream. And he said, you were on a plane to Texas and Arizona. And I was like, and that, that like three weeks after that, I was scheduled to go to Arizona and then to Texas. And he just, fed, and it just said, like, man, you'll be on those planes do you know what that does? He doesn't know I'm going to Arizona and Texas. Come on. In that moment it's like, thank you. Yeah. I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Maybe you are the Messiah. She says, how, how, like, how would you know this? I hear so many people come to our church, not following Jesus, but our hospitality team, loving and serving them with those, with their gifts. It's, 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 so, it's so fun when I hear people. It's not the sermon. It's not the, it's not the worship. It's, man, I, I'm, I'm here because, man, they, there was something when they said hello, yes. when they greeted me. Like, it was authentic. Like, there was an anointing there yeah. that, like, I'm coming back to that place. Like, let God, use your gifts. Uh, we were leaving the island. Uh, some of you guys may, may have the gift of giving. It, it's, it's great in moments where the Spirit of God is prompting you. I'm in line, and there's a guy behind me. I'm like, Dude, he's a local, shared the island with us, I'm gonna buy whatever he has in his hand. So I tell the lady, ring him up, and he's just like, what, like, are you serious? I'm like, hey man, thank you for sharing your home with us. Like, we had a great week. He's like, what? So then we walk outside, he's like, bro, do you burn? I was like, no, I don't, I'm actually a, I'm actually a Christian. I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, and I used to, but I don't do that anymore. He's like, man, I just wanted to return the favor. But instantly what happens, connection, conversation, right? The door is open. And so, so just let the Spirit of God use your gifts in those moments. But that will never happen if you're not living life with the Spirit. And, and you got to have the courage. Listen, and if you can't see people, you won't care. You just won't care. So what am I saying? I'm saying, use your gifts and share your story. Because I'm telling you, you step out. You know how many times I shared my testimony on our trip to Hawaii? Ask my wife on the plane. I'm talking to a guy behind me. He mentions crypto. I'm like, I'm in. Like, hey, we can start getting into crypto conversation. It always comes down to the place. What do you do? So glad you asked. She was like, he was, I was like, I'm a pastor. Then he's like, he told, grabbed his wife. He's like, dude, you never know what this guy is. (laughs) Do you know what she said? I don't know if there's any, any kids in here. Um, So I'm not going to say her, what her response was, Um, but it was very flattering, but very inappropriate. (laughs) And, uh, and he's like, no, he's a pastor. Well, tell me, how did it happen? So glad you asked. Can I just tell you this woman? She didn't have even a, a sound theology yet, but she had a story and this man just told me everything. And what did she do? She just said, I, I don't have the answers, but let me bring you to him. Come and see. So good. You never know who's one invite away, so good. one conversation away. And the whole town came. But it wasn't just because of her story. What, what happened was this. It says, then they heard the word. Of the Lord, and they believed. What was her story? Her story was a catalyst to these people hearing the Word of God with the Son of God and putting their faith in Him. Who's who's on the other side of your story? When's the last time you shared it? Every time I share my story, I'm reminded. And my story is to say, it's, it's a lot like this lady. This guy read my mail, told me about my life. And I walk back to my seat like, how in the world did he know that? And I look what God has done. And every time I tell that story, it just refuels my heart of like, yeah, God, I'm a trophy of your grace. I am nothing special. I'm a trophy of your grace. And you're doing something. Let me, let me tell, you, tell you one last thing. I'll, I'll let you guys go. There was a lady who I, uh, I, I met on um, uh, Facebook Marketplace. I posted a, a water cooler. And so she responded like, I want it. So I was like, okay, meet me at Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree is like the best place to meet people. And, uh, and on my way there, I sensed the spirit of the Lord say, she's a single parent mom. I want you to give it to her. So I'm like, okay, planning my ways, but he's directing my steps. So I get there, and I said, hey, this is going to seem really, really weird. You don't even have to answer this question if you don't want to because it's kind of personal. But are you a single parent, Mom? She's like, I actually am. I was like, okay, now it's going to get real weird um, because I feel like God spoke to me and told me to give you this water cooler. She's like, oh, my goodness. And so then I I I just threw it out there. I said, hey, where do you live? She said, I live in Antioch. I was like, listen, my buddy pastors a great church in Antioch. Can I just invite you to his church? You don't have to, this is no strings attached. This is yours. But can I just invite you? Gave her the information, went home. Nine months later, she messages us. She said, Hey, I don't know if you remember, I'm the girl that you gave the water cooler to. It's working great. But I ran from that invitation for nine months. I went to church last month and I found a home. And God has found me. Isn't that awesome? So with that story, I am trying to motivate you to say, invite people. Invite people. You never know who's on the other side. Can you imagine more? Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, as we leave today, there may be some here in person. There may be some online that don't know you. And maybe you've had a a distorted view of God. Well, listen, today, just like you told that woman, if you knew who asked you for a drink, he would give you a gift of a water that would cause you to never thirst again. A gift. Not something you can earn. Not something you can, you know, pull up your bootstraps and go for it. No, it's, it's, it's a free gift of salvation. But it came at a great price. He died on the cross. For the payment of your sin and for my sin. While we were on the side of the road, he stopped and said, I can't just leave you like this. Rose again on the third day as the receipt and the guarantee that everything he said is true. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I need that free gift. I need eternal life. I want him. The beautiful thing John says, eternal life is this, that you know him. So it's not just a destination later, it's a relationship now. You can walk with God now and there's nothing like it on the face of the planet. So if you're here, you say, Pastor Matt, that's me, would you just slip up your hand, every head bowed, every eye closed, not trying to embarrass you, just want to say "Man, if You just say, Pastor Matt, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Is there anybody in this place or online? Let us know. Lord, seal this word in our hearts. Let it be so in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.